right before your surgery, your doctor yep. told you to go change into your gown uh-huh. and you got one last clip off, right? Yeah. <laughs> there it is right here. <laughs> What's up, guys? Today's guest is a tricker, world-renowned for his insane jumping abilities, and he's the head of the Sapling Gang. Please welcome to the Jamcast, Mr. Aspen Edlin. Hello. What's up, man? How are you? I'm vibing. We're having a good time out here. (laughs) Good answer, man. And for those that don't recognize his last name, you may recognize him by his Instagram handle, which is what I know him as, which is Aspen Tree. Mm Mm-hmm. Where does the tree come from? That's something I've always wanted to know since it's so inherently tied into the sapling um, gang and everything. Yeah, so aspen tree, I just came up with that because it's a real tree and my name is Aspen. So I was like, why not? And then all of a sudden I created this thing, sapling gang. I didn't know what else to really call it, but I uh, came up with it. I was like, oh, this is perfect. It ties in perfectly to my name and everything. And it just means in a constant state of growth where we just never reach our peak potential. That's what we're going for, to always just improve constantly. That's what I go for. That's crazy. So how did you even find out it was an actual tree? Did you, like, look it up, or did someone tell you? Like, uh, In Montana, it's pretty pretty uh, local. Like, it, you can see them anywhere, pretty ah, much. And, okay. yeah, so they're just really well-known where I live, and... Uh, yeah, like here, they probably wouldn't survive. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, we're the yeah. land of palm trees out here. But. Yeah, here, it's like probably too hot for them to live. No okay. Yeah. That's funny. I really want to know what an aspen tree looks like now. Yo, yeah. Connor, can you look one of those up while we're talking? <laughs> I just want to see what it looks like. <laughs> Dude, that's awesome, man. Yeah, and yeah. so like right now, you just kind of uh, alluded to it, but you're basically uh, originally from Montana, but you're out here right now. How long are you out here for and what are you doing? You just training or what are you making the most of this trip? Yeah, so it's kind of random, but my friend and I, uh, well, Cameron Eckberg, he hit me up. He's like, hey, do you want to, like, road trip with me down to California? And you want to just fly to Oregon, we road trip? And I was like, yeah, sure. Like, literally less than two weeks uh, of time to basically get it all set up. I was just like, yeah, sure. I was at work when I got the call. (laughs) I'm like, honestly, I could use something like this. So we just... Came down here and I've been training and stuff like that, just having fun. Dude, that's awesome. And how long will you be here in its entirety? Like, um, so we came here the twentieth, and I'm gonna leave on the fourth. Okay, July. so like two weeks, solid yeah. two weeks. Yeah, that's dope, man. And th- have you ever been to LA to train before? I think I've seen some old videos where you've been in like Venice yeah. before and stuff. Like, I I came two years ago for an event called Gravelanche. Of course. Yeah, and then, uh, um. I haven't been back since, so this is my first time back in a long time. Second time seeing the ocean, so that's pretty sick. (laughs) Second time ever seeing the ocean? Yeah. No way. Yeah. We definitely take that for granted in LA. That's why we pay so much in rent, and then I I always find myself realizing I never go as much as I should. (laughs) It's crazy. Yeah, I was having so much fun. We went to Laguna Beach, and we played in the ocean. I I feel like a child every time I'm in there. Which is awesome. It's crazy feeling. <laughs> it's like a giant swimming pool that can knock you over. Like. Literally, <laughs> like I, I can't believe it's overwhelmingly powerful. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. yeah, I've been caught in some like wild, wild waves before, where you're like, dude, Mother Nature always is going to win. Like it's always crazy, man. Like I was out there and I was like, oh, I can easily see how this can be dangerous. Like 
yeah, and easily get pulled in. So 100, man. Well, yeah. that's crazy. So like, I got to ask you, cause you're one of the few people I've talked to that's actually from out of town while we've been doing these quarantine jam casts. Yeah. What was it like flying during this time? Like, was your plane packed? Was it pretty empty? Uh, so it was kind of weird, honestly. Um, with the plane situation, they basically tried to social distance us in the plane. So like, I didn't have any people sitting next to me wow. and it was kind of like a, like a checkerboard kind of mm, how it's okay. like one person and then diagonal he, from you, there's another person. They tried to keep it that way for my flights, at least. Um, some of the other people that have been flying in here or anywhere recently, they've been telling me that their planes have been like completely packed. So I guess it just depends, but they try to social distance people on the plane. Okay, yeah, I kind of seen. I've kind of been seeing both too. One where like people have their own row to themselves, and yeah. I've seen some where literally people are packed shoulder to shoulder because they've canceled so many flights. They only have a few. Exactly. I'm like, this makes no sense to me. Yeah. No sense. Today they just put out a rule. I don't know if you heard about it. I mean, you probably don't watch the news in LA because you're visiting, but they just announced today that all gyms in LA, you now have to wear a face mask while yeah. you're working out and gloves. Oh, really? And gloves. <laughs> and gloves. And I'm Yo, like, what? what? Okay, yesterday they announced that they had uh, face masks. I didn't know about the glove thing, though, yet. Um, yeah, because last night I was at Tempest, and we were uh, training, and we had to wear face masks. And I was like, what? We weren't wearing face masks, like, literally a few days ago. Yeah. How but, was that? Was it tough, like, training with it? Because I've tried to train. I did a session with Connor where I was tricking with it on for 45 minutes. Yeah. I was like sweating a lot, but I was still like decently okay. Yeah, I felt I felt not too bad. Um, I think that it only really affects me truly as if I'm doing like heavily, like a lot of breathing in my combo. Like, of course, like uh, just feel like I ran a mile or something. If if that ever happened, I would probably feel like way worse. But I didn't ever happen because I was mostly just focusing on single tricks as I normally do. And then, um, I was playing around with some rolling and stuff around the gym like nice. Pasha does. So. Yeah. Dude, that's awesome, man. Yeah. And so are you born and raised in Montana? Uh, I was born in Arizona. Okay. And I moved to Montana like four years after I was born. And okay. then, uh, I've been staying there ever since. And I low key don't like it, but <laughs> that's why I'm going to make a move probably within, uh, a year hopefully or after a year but no no more than two years hopefully get out of montana and experience the world i want to move here so. eventually to la okay. yeah yeah okay that's crazy man and so it always boggles my mind when i meet people like yourself that have like accumulated this like really cool following of people uh that you know obviously know you for your acrobatics and your tricks and stuff like that um me i was personally born and raised like 20 minutes from here. So really? like I was born, like for lack of a better term, like in the Mecca of movement, you know, like okay. we have some of the top dance studios. We've always had some of the best martial arts schools. And so for me, it's like, oh yeah, I pretty much had no excuse not to get into the stuff. So my question for you is like, how did you get into tricking and tumbling and acrobatics being in Montana? Is it like very widespread or like did just you and a few friends like catch on to it? Um, so it's kind of weird um, for me, but I, uh, I've always kind of wanted to do something like that in, in a sense. And I tried to really branch into that like younger and I was doing like tricks on the trampoline and stuff. And I was like really wanting to take it further and stuff, but okay. I was like kind of embarrassed, like 
Um, cause all my friends were like playing basketball and baseball and stuff like that football. Uh-huh. And, um, I kind of just saw what I was doing as gymnastics and I was like, Oh, gymnastics is for girls. I have only seen like mostly girl competitors, totally. you know, yeah, yeah. uh, on the Olympics and stuff. And I was just like thinking to myself, like, nah, I, I think that this is like a girl sport, you know, <laughs> like I was embarrassed to do it. And then, um, later on I was like, I saw a kid at my school do a front flip and I was kind of, at this point I was like kind of fed up in high school. Like I, I wanted to prove myself that I had potential, like that other people didn't have, you know what I mean? I was trying to like show like who I, who I can be like without other people's influence. And I was kind of discovering myself in a way. And I mean, it, it was really embarrassing throughout all my years of school where you know, I was pretending to be somebody else constantly, and I wasn't happy, and it sucked, and then I was like, okay, I, this is my chance to try something, like, and maybe I will enjoy it, and maybe it will change my life, who knows, and then I uh, I did a front flip, and I was like, oh, that was easy, and I was like, I'm going to do a backflip now, and I learned a backflip, and I just remember, I was like, oh, I'm probably the only one in the school that can do this, and I was like, (laughs) yeah, I'm so legendary for this, and then I kept training and training, and then people started to catch on more, and in my my city, like Bozeman, Belgrade area, that's like where it is, it's like really small Mm towny, and um, I kind of help birth the community there. Dope. Um, there was there was a few people who were already moving, and I met up with them eventually, and we just trained constantly with each other. But um, there was only one parkour gym, parkour free running gym in the entire state at the time, and it was unparalleled movement. Yes, I and know them. Yeah, yeah, but unfortunately, they did not sur- survive Corona. So that place is like shut down. I never got a chance to go there, unfortunately. But damn, um, yeah, it kind of sucks. That's a huge part of the community that kind of lost. Like, yeah, that's like your needed. gym in in your state. Yeah, yeah. I I wish I could have gone there, but I know the community is going to stay strong for sure. And that's kind of just how it worked for me too, because I I learned all my stuff like on trampoline first and then I went to grass like I didn't have a spring floor or anything like that so that's like how I learned all my stuff dude that's really cool I, I, what I find interesting about your story is that like what you said is something that not a lot of people really ever talk about mm-hmm. and I don't know if that's because it didn't happen to them or they just don't feel comfortable talking about it but I had a really similar experience too like with you growing up I was like a martial artist my whole life mm-hmm. and because it was something that my family did I kind of didn't necessarily always put it out there. I kind of was like you. I was like trying to like be somebody else. And like I started like putting my efforts more into like track and other sports just to kind of like be a front. Mm -hmm. But then like what was funny is like once kids found out that I was really good at martial arts, they were like, that's the coolest shit ever. And I'm like, why didn't I just, you know, ride with this? And then finally in high school is when I got into tricking and acrobatics and like you said, I was like, oh, maybe I'm like the only guy that could flip at school. And I'd be like flipping at the dances and everyone's like, do a flip, do a flip. Yeah. So like, how old were you when you discovered that? Cause that's like a pretty mature thing to realize that you were kind of living under like a false identity. Yeah. Um, so I, I started doing like, I learned my first backflip right after I turned 17, basically. No way that late. Yeah. Damn. And so I was kind of like in a bad spot at the time and you know I was dealing with a lot of family issues and um 
I, I just remembered, like, I had to take care of, like, my siblings and stuff like that. Like, I basically became a parent in a way, like, at a young age. Um, like, sixth grade was when it all began for me. Uh, it, it, it had been long before that, like, where I was dealing with stuff, too. But um, I feel like that was, like, really the pinnacle of when I was, like, I don't know what's going to happen. And I was terrified, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so... Throughout that entire time, I had a lot to learn and a lot that I was continuing to learn. And life kind of brought me to um, a choice where I was like, I can either um, learn from this or I can just give up. And basically, I didn't want to give up. And I was just kind of fed up with everything. And then on top of the, all that pressure happening, like all the way through past high school, mm-hmm. Um, I was deciding that I needed to find something for myself because I was in a constant state of depression and anxiety and I didn't know what was going to come next. So I decided that I needed to try something and I did that backflip. And for some reason, like that connected with me more than anything else in my entire life. Wow. And I was like, this is something I can get addicted to that's like, going to be beneficial for like my life you know what I mean yeah yeah. like this can teach me stuff and I learned I've learned so much from tricking like life lessons that you could not possibly learn from anything else you know what I mean and like you can connect those parallels to other passions but as long as you just continue to try stuff and then you find something you really enjoy and keep doing it I feel like that's like where the learning really happens about who you are truly like inside of you, you know what I mean? Yeah, man, so. dude. I think the coolest thing about these jam casts is like having the opportunity to talk to people like yourself who, whenever I see you, I just related to like your crazy flips and stuff like that, but mm-hmm. we don't know like the story and the journey that brought you to this point. And like, yeah. I think your journey is really, really, really important for kids to hear. Cause I feel like uh, mental health is something that's often too far overlooked, especially within kids. Completely. A lot of people just associate like adults have problems so they can have mental problems, but it's like, a lot of kids deal with depression all the time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you saying this may just inspire one kid to realize like, oh, I'm not alone. Like maybe putting my efforts more into flipping and stuff is a great way out of this rut, yes, you know? So definitely. I think that's cool, man. So when you were doing that first front flip and back flip, uh, how did you learn? Did you have a spotter? Were you just hucking it to the ground? Did you use like mats? Like when I first learned my front flip and I've told this story maybe once before is we still lay punching, like, you know, like punching bags, we have a jam. Yeah. We still lay those on the ground in a line and we would run and split our feet and try to front flip and land with our feet around it. Okay. We were just thinking that if we came up short, we'd land with our backs on a punching bag. You know what oh. I'm saying? So like for years I had this horrible technique where I constantly just had my legs spread super wide because we were mm. flipping over punching bags. So like, okay. how did you learn your first flips? Um, on f- for a front flip, I literally was like, um, I, I just didn't know what to do, but I did know what to do. Like I already did it on trampoline a bunch at this point, And I was like, yeah, I feel like it would be super easy because I saw this kid just do it at school, you know, on grass and it was like his first one. And I was like, I'm going to do that. And I did it and it was easy. You know what I mean? Like it just clicked right away with me. And I was like, okay, like it, what, that wasn't like the connection though with me. Cause I feel like I, I believed myself that I could do it like easily and so I did it and it was just like oh that felt like a walk in the park it wasn't the connection though like when I learned the backflip I actually had to think about it you know what I mean really and yeah so 
I I learned how to backflip on trampoline by basically like cartwheeling over my shoulder and stuff, yeah, and then eventually getting to a back handspring and then just taking my hands away. Crazy. So I was like, what if I did that on ground? And I learned the same exact way on ground. And then once I got it, it took me like 10 minutes, but once I landed it, I was like, like my brain just dopamine rush, like crazy explosion <laughs> yes. of happiness. And I was just like, yes, this is awesome. Cause I remember I, my family was like going to leave and do something like, um, and I was just like, all right, I'm going to learn a backflip. And my dad was just like shaking my head at me. Like, <laughs> dude, <laughs> don't get hurt. <laughs> he, he, he honestly didn't think that what I was doing was going to like be something that I wanted to continue doing. You know what I mean? Wow. He was like, Definitely not one of those people that, you know, believe to the fullest, like, oh, like he, he's gonna, you know, just be a normal person. And then I was like, no, this is not something to play around with. Like it became a huge thing for me. And after that first backflip, that was the deciding factor after that. That's why I kept training. That's wild. And just to put it in perspective for our viewers and listeners out there, you started flipping at 17. Yeah. Uh, how old are you now? So we know how long you've been flipping at this point. Uh, I turned 21 May 1st. So you've so. only been flipping for four years. Yeah. No way. <laughs> See, I didn't know that. That's the coolest thing about these jam casts is like, it's hard to know people's origin stories because yeah. all we see is the finished product and what you're doing now. So like, a lot of us just automatically assume like, oh, he's been flipping his whole life or something. You exactly. Know? Yeah. That's wild, man. And it's safe to say that everything's been pretty much just self-taught from the ground up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, YouTube's been like the hugest help to me in the very beginning, at least. I used to watch all sorts of YouTube videos and like tutorials on how to do like a cork or a backflip or like better, better set stuff. You know what I mean? Like learning yeah. how to do it better. And so that was like my main focus and then after that I realized like YouTube isn't going to help me much I feel like I need to experience this on my own and okay. figure out like what's right for me in my set and stuff like that so I just experimented and basically the rest was just learning that like once I got to standing double full I was like there's nothing that can help me at this point yeah you I was like I have to own. find this out on my on my own and so um experimentation came into play and then I just stopped watching YouTube videos usually and I just watched how other people did it and was like okay and I, I can wrap my brain around that and then I just tried it basically that's Crazy. just how I continued learning after that okay and now obviously like the majority of your videos are outside on the grass or they're inside of your living room and stuff like that yeah yeah so where was you where were you training these initial things was it always on grass did you have access to any pads or any soft surfaces or was it just a hard learning curve because you were just outside I'd say uh I had like mattresses and stuff. That's okay. probably like the best um, apparatus that I had. <laughs> it's better to, than a punching bag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. to learn. But uh, I, oftentimes I wasn't able to use that stuff because I had to like basically sneak it outside, you know? Like obviously you can't like yeah, my yeah. dad did not want that to happen, you know? Did not want me to get my stuff messed up, so... I, like, only used it when I was, like, alone at home or something. And then um, if I didn't, then I was, like, I guess today is just going to be a rough day outside, like, training, yeah. you know. And uh, oftentimes it was. I would I would have shin splints for the longest time, and then eventually they went away. And I haven't had shin splints in a very long time, thankfully. Yeah. But uh, 
most of it was just hard slams and bruised heels and stuff like that. And even in the living room, like I had to get used to that, um, that ground that I was training on the impact that I was taking. It was rough. Um, a few times when I was learning, uh, how to J step double cork, I was doing it in my living room too, because winter is like really long in Montana. So that's the whole reason why I started training in my living room. I was just going to ask if that was why. Okay. That makes a lot of sense now. Yeah. So I, I just trained in there and, um, I remember learning like a, a ton of stuff in there, which is so wild. It, that's why like a lot of people might ask like why does he do the same tricks or why is he always doing standing tricks and it's because I had that small space to utilize Mm -hmm. and that's like why I'm good at those tricks like because that's all I trained in there because it's a small space like what am I gonna do cart trip in there no makes a lot of sense (laughs) dude everything's pretty much environmental based even back to like martial arts yeah like predate us there's like certain martial arts styles like that I know of personally where like in the northern part of China they were people that had a lot more money and mm-hmm. so they had more room to, to do stuff. So their, their form of Kung Fu is like very long arm movements, very circular, big movements. Yeah. But then Southern China was a little more, uh, less economically as well off. And it was people like practicing in like rice patties and stuff. So their system is like very more tight and like closed off. And so mm-hmm. obviously environmental base is something that's affected movement for all time. So that makes a lot of sense moving into living room. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, I like I, I think that's one of the coolest things about our sport or just any sport in general. You can really see people's background based on, you know, like how they trained in the beginning. Totally. Like if you ask them like, oh, how did you start training? And then you can really see that in their in their future progressions and like how they are presently. It's really cool. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I can, I can definitely see style based on pre-existing sports or histories yeah. like that too. It's crazy. And so I guess one of the things that you're most well known for and what was crazy for me to find was Connor, can you try to pull up his first backflip? And I think what's crazy to me about this is that like everyone now associates you with doing these gigantic standing tucks and moves, mm-hmm. but your first backflip wasn't, or I guess the one that, that's on here, at least online, it's not like, is this, is this the first one on camera? Yeah. Wow. And then to see the difference is just yeah. astronomical. Man. <laughs> <laughs> it's so crazy to see the clear visual difference. And so like my question to you, I have a bunch of questions that are going to be about your uh, jumping ability. But my biggest question to you here is like, do you think the biggest change came from technique, comfortability with flipping or gaining strength? What do you credit the change in the difference between those flips for? Um, so the change, definitely hugely technique. Um, okay. And this, like, I probably could have gotten close to the same height as I do in the second video, in the first video, if I had the right technique. Yeah. And I know this because um, I've always had genetically high vertical. I was going to ask. Okay, yeah. cool. I, I've, like, shortly after I learned my backflip, I actually did my first dunk like on a 10 foot hoop. No way you don't. Oh crap. All yeah. right. And I used to play basketball. So that's, that's hard to do. I know how hard that is. That's <laughs> yeah. Crazy. As a five, seven, five foot seven person, like definitely was a challenge, but wow. I made it happen. It was an alley-oop to be fair. So I can't give myself too much credit, but still it, it's hard to palm the ball. Yeah. Like, <laughs> literally. Yeah. That's the only problem I have. I can't really palm it. Um, I can palm it. And then like it slips out of my hand when I try and run or anything. Totally. So, but, uh, yeah, so um, hugely technique-based, 
for sure. And um, just understanding like the speed and the timing is like hugely important in vertical jump as well. And I think that just came with time, obviously. You can't, like, get something perfect right away, but I already had the explosiveness. I just needed to get my set up, basically. Okay. Because I was cutting off my set, and on top of cutting off my set, I was throwing my chest back. I saw that. And that's, yeah, it's not, that's, like, definitely not what you want. Um, In your set for a backflip, you should be, like, basically completely straight up on the last frame before you take off take off on Mm -hmm. the ground and i've i've studied uh, my own videos and taken thumbnails from them where i am completely straight up and it literally looks like i'm just going to jump straight up but i'm actually doing a backflip and that's like where it all comes from and to get the rotation it's all just like the last minute you use your hips snap them forward and then um bring your tuck in super tight but it's all it's all in trying to get maximum extension from your toes all the way up to your fingertips basically totally. and get in that straight line so and how did you start to break down improving your technique did you like study other youtube videos or were you just like realizing what you were doing wrong yourself because like yeah it's pretty hard to realize that all of those changes with you when you've had no coaching you know um honestly it did come down to just me understanding how it worked Because as I was getting better, I noticed, like, my sets standing up more and more. I was like, okay, like, I I understand why I'm getting height now. Like, it took took a little bit, of course, but I figured it out, like, pretty quickly as soon as I was, like, fully um, doing it consistently. Um, Why, like, your set affects your height and stuff like that. And... I I stopped using YouTube videos as reference because I honestly, like, I would watch YouTube videos of people doing backflips, and I was like, I don't know, like, a lot of these people don't seem like they have been doing a backflip for that long, you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. a lot of the videos, like, weren't helping me too much because I was already past that point in, in my progression. So I started really paying attention to how my set was affecting um, my height and stuff like that. And basically just went off of that. I would be like, try stuff every session. I would just record myself and see like, okay, what am I doing in my set? And then I'm like, okay, let's see if I can tweak it, see what it does to help or detriment what I'm doing. So basically that's how I trained is I just studied really hard on what I was doing and I noticed what was helping and what wasn't helping. So it, it's no. just a bunch of trial and error, basically. That is wild, man. And so back then, when you're going through this stage of uh, improving your technique and developing your own style, uh, how many days a week were you training and for what length of time? Uh, <laughs> at that time, I was definitely training every single day um, without a break. And it was very rough on my body, but I was able to eventually adapt to it basically and recover really quickly um because it's just like like running a mile every day you're gonna get used to that and it's gonna be easy for you you know what I mean so I was doing that for a long time and just doing single tricks and stuff like that like I was able to do probably hundreds of backflips a day you know what I mean and like continuing to do it and then I would be like okay I'm gassed out for this session I'll wait till tomorrow (laughs) or wait till later in the day but um 
Yeah, so I trained every single day basically, and it was it was a rough time in the beginning, but it really paid off, I'd say, in towards the end. And at what, how long do you think it took for you to, you know, essentially, quote unquote, master the backflip? Like, how long do you think it took you from that 17 year old age to get it to where you're happy with it now? Yeah, that's that's a tough one, because even now I'm like working on it. You think you can improve it more? Yeah, I'm trying to. What? Like even now. And well, what, what would you do differently? Um, I'm just trying to figure out how I can be more explosive. Like I'm already really explosive, but I want to see if I can like take it to the next level and like continue to improve my fast twitch muscles to basically amplify my height. Cause I want to get higher. Like I want to get to my head height and then I'm, I'm not too, not too far away, but I want to, I want to reach that point. And then I think by then I might be satisfied with the results. Cause I think that would be truly impressive to see Yeah, in my eyes. Like I, to put it into perspective when I'm having a session and I do like, I film clips of backflips. I, if I post a backflip, it, that backflip may have taken me like over 10 tries. You know what I mean? Yeah, I feel you. like okay. I, I have really high expectations for my tricks when it comes to tricks that I've been training for a long time. If it's like my first land on a trick, I'm obviously going to post it and be like, wow, like I first double something. Yeah, yeah like of course. first yeah. whatever. Yeah. Like and but when it comes to like tricks that I've been doing for a long time, it takes a lot of. A lot of filming sometimes where I'll be spending um, sometimes hours on just filming the same set of tricks just because I'm like, I'm not satisfied with this. And sometimes I'll even leave the session with no clips and I'll just be training the tricks because I'm like, you know what? I am not getting the results I want, but at least I had a training session. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I have high expectations for those tricks, like backflip, super high expectations. If I'm not floating down, then it's not going to go in the video. You know what I mean? Yeah, dude, totally. <laughs> now, the majority of the clips that I see of you, it's mostly you alone. Do you tend to train in groups or do you train alone? And how are you filming? You have a tripod or you, what, what are you, how are you getting these clips? Um, I, I, so it might sound weird, but I actually prefer training alone over training with people. I like training with people that are like new. Like when I went to jam the other night and sesh with uh, Connor and everyone else, uh, it was a it was a good good time. Um, I like those sessions because you get new energy, of course, yeah. And yeah, yeah. Um, when that energy is present, it allows you to push yourself further. And I was really hyped up that session because the energy was really good and everyone was kind of just hyping everyone up and just pause positivity basically is all, all I need. Totally. But, um, a lot of the time I just don't, I, I have a hard time, um, focusing around other people. I got you. And if there's like background noise, sometimes it just like ruins it for me. Like I can't, focus and sometimes it even just kills the entire vibe for me at the session or if I can tell somebody has like any slight bit of negativity Mm -hmm. it kind of just ruins it you know what I mean I feel you on that so I prefer training alone because if like if I'm going to get mad about something I'm not like being detrimental to someone else's else's session session. yeah that's cool and on top of that um, I don't have to worry about someone else ruining my session, basically. But 
mostly it just helps me focus to train alone. It allows me to really like open my third eye, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. Um, I feel, I find myself uh, really like getting to this Zen mode when I'm training where I'm just like before each set, I'm like really thinking about every little thing and like my fingers do this. I don't know anyone else, anyone else who uh, (laughs) trains, they do, they do a little thing, you know, before they go. Everyone has a little man. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. And uh, for me, like um, when I'm in that mode where I'm doing that stuff and I'm like, doing this and stuff like that's when my brain is thinking like it's hardest and if there's too much background noise I can't get into that mode you know what I mean so do you listen to music or do you train completely in silence no I don't listen to music because dead silence yes the beat distracts me like usually I super I I feel like when I'm training with music this has happened to me so many times it rushes me I feel you because sometimes the the drop or the exactly. beat. Exactly. Yeah. Because I feel like when the drop comes, like I need to like throw at that time, and it's it's not like it's not even like t- for dramatic effect or anything. It literally just feels like you know, oh, you missed your chance to go. Like Dude, that's a common thing that happens at open gyms around yeah. the world, where people are like, oh, the drop's coming, or like even like as a song's petering out. I know myself, I'll be like, ah. I'm just going to wait for the next song. Mm-hmm. And like what you've developed is your own style where you're not affected by any of those things, which is cool. Yeah. I try, I try not to, I, I don't like um, being restricted to a single type of training. I notice a lot of people, they, uh, they listen to music and they'll like have multiple story clips, for example, mm. and it'll be the same song and they'll literally rewind it to the same spot every time. So it's literally like the same exact lyrics in every story. And you're just like, (laughs) I'm just like, wait, what? (laughs) It's so funny because I swear, like, I'm like, Oh no, I could not do that, dude. That would be like a whole nother like range of emotions that I would have to go through. It honestly pissed me off just to like scroll back every time, every single time, like it's a waste of time too. Yeah. I I feel like too, like if you're going to go and then you just like miss the beat by like one millisecond, you're just like, Oh, I can't go off. You know what I mean? So it's like, why, why am I going to subject myself to that if that's what's going to distract me? So I just, like, try not to. Okay. If I'm at a session and there's music playing, it kind of, like, goes away in my brain. Like, I don't notice that there's music playing because I'm hearing, like, people talk and, like, I'm listening to what people are saying. So, like, at sessions, it's different because you have, like, another energy that just blocks out the noise, you know what I mean? Or it's just, like you feel positivity, you yeah. hear it from other people, you hear affirmation, you hear um, people, you know, criticizing in a good way, you know, yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, helpful criticism. You're just kind of like there for the vibe and you're trying to listen to what people say and trying to just be a family essentially at the yeah. gathering or at a session or whatever. So I feel like the noise just goes out the window for me when I'm at like a session or a gathering. Okay, that makes sense. That's that makes that's sense. why I like the new energy is like when you surround yourself with people that you're not constantly around, it just like, it has only benefited me, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, there's a few sessions where I'll be around people and I'm like, oh, I didn't know they were like that, you know what I mean? But you can't, you 
not every single person is going to be perfect. So yeah, uh, we're great. all human, you know, <laughs> dude, that's, that's super crazy. It's just so, it's just cool to hear different people's training mindsets. And, and yeah. obviously yours is completely influenced by the fact that you have pretty much solo sessioned the majority of your flipping yeah. lifetime. So yeah, it makes sense that that's what you're most comfortable yeah. with. And that's why like I basically helped birth the community yeah. is like, I had no one else to train with in the beginning. And then I was just like, picking up people along the way, you know, Dope. people who wanted to be interested in what I was doing. And then we birthed something and now I have people to train with. But if you want to. Yeah. <laughs> if I want to, yeah. but I find myself having more sessions alone than I do with other people, which is fine. Yeah. It's just, uh, if I want to focus on my session and I want to get some good clips, then oftentimes I'll be like, yeah, like, I want to learn something new. Yeah, I'm going to be by myself. If Dope. I'm doing it with other people, I'm like, oh, yeah, let's, like, let's mess around. Let's make some cool content together. You know, I like collaboration stuff, so. Yeah, no, I feel you on that. I, I'm kind of, and I have to agree with you. There's, like, tricking, I've always been, like, a group sport. But, like, mm. for parkour sometimes, I enjoy the solo sessions because sometimes when you're at a spot, you kind of get, like, baited into doing what everyone's doing. They're like, yo, yeah. come hit this mission. I'm like, that's not my goal today. Yeah, like my yeah. goal is to do something else. So like a lot of times I just break off even in group situations, you know? Exactly. So it really does help you keep focused on a goal too. Yeah. Um, 100. Like my first, uh, standing double backflip attempts, like a long time ago. Um, I was alone on like almost all of them. And because I really needed that extra level of focus, regardless of how dangerous it was, I needed it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. if somebody else was there and they were just, like, constantly saying, you got this, you got this, like, that really, like, I have to reset a lot of the time when I hear that. Yeah. And, like, some sometimes it's, like, fine, but... um as long as the positive vibes are flowing, you know what I mean? But if you're just there to watch me, then I feel like a zoo animal, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, do a trick, ask me. Yeah, trick, yeah. I so it's you. like, I need to focus. Yeah, totally. <laughs> That's dope, man. Well, yeah. yeah, it makes a lot of sense now. Like, I just had to ask that because I noticed the majority of videos were solo. And yeah. so you kind of alluded to it earlier. You said that you were kind of genetically gifted with jumping. Yeah. Do you do any cross training or any skills in order to increase your jump? Cause I feel like that's something a lot of people are curious about cause they want to gain your ability to jump that high, you know? Yeah. I feel like, um, for me personally, I didn't really need too much cross training. Wow. Uh, I still want to do it more because I feel like that's going to be the key to getting more height for me mm -hmm. is I'm going to really need to, um, look for other methods other than just doing backflips repeatedly. You yeah. know what I mean? You have to I increase like, some element. Yeah. I feel like I'm going to need to find some way to increase it throughout a different method rather than just spamming the trick itself. Um, for other people, I'd say that they, uh, they should equally spam the trick as well as like put in the extra work needed to get the height. Cause not everyone has like, like, when you're at a genetic disadvantage, it's so much harder, and I feel for those people truly because, like, for example, I'm short, so it's like basketball was rough for me, but I loved basketball, you know what Same, I mean? Same, Doug. <laughs> and, and that's just something I couldn't control, but I had the hops, you know what I mean? So, like, there was a strength there, but I feel like other people, they feel hopeless when it comes to, like, getting height and stuff. Yeah. And it's really not the case. Like, you can you can definitely grind it out, but you're going to put in, like, 20 times more work than I had to. You know what I mean? 
Yeah. It's going to be like a lot harder for you, but you can do it. You just have to like, you have to be serious about it and you have to really optimize your training towards that goal yes. and make sure that you're not straying from that basically. Totally. Because if, if you get distracted with the wrong stuff or if you're just not focused and that just that's just telling yourself like, no, this is not what you want. But people say they want it all the time, but they're not willing to put in that extra mm-hmm. mile of work. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like, that's what I'm working on right now. I'm still working on getting out of my comfort zone, like doing combos and stuff. That stuff's like really difficult for me to connect sometimes. And I'm tra- I'm trying to train it, but oftentimes I find myself bullshitting. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, no, this is like not what I want to do and that's fine but if you truly want something you actually have to do it you know what I mean like if I find myself I I always say yeah I can't do combos though so like what's the point of doing single tricks it's like come on Aspen go do combos (laughs) you know what I mean like you have to really take accountability for your actions or else you're not going to progress yeah 100 now with the with being known for doing such high standing backflips, do you feel any inherent pressure to go for standing double back? And is that something that's on your list? Cause I've seen you do a couple attempts indoors and stuff. Mm-hmm. Obviously I, I remember the clip inside your living room you've gone for. Yeah. Um, is that something that plays on you knowing that a lot of people are like, Oh, this guy has one of the highest backflips in the world. Why isn't he doing standing double? Yep. So that's something that's rested on my shoulders. Um, basically ever since I started doing them, um, even before that, like people were telling me to do it. And so it's just been years of basically nagging about it. Like mm-hmm. I've been nagged about it so much and almost every single video, even if I don't do a backflip in the video, people will, like say it. <laughs> and I feel like- and uh, I actually like, I would say like about a month ago, I had this like mental breakdown where I was just freaking out about social media and its influence on my life and stuff like that. And one of the biggest factors was people telling me what I should do or like what I, what they wanted me to do. And like that really affected me negatively. And, um, I just thought about it. Like, why don't I just post what I want to post whenever I want to post and just block out all the outside noise or anything like that. So I started doing that. I literally turned off comments for like a couple videos and I was like, okay, now my brain's at where it needs to be. And, uh, but literally it has such a huge influence on like how I trained in the past. I would say I was still figuring out who I was, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, in a constant state of growth, sapling gang. Yes. Yeah. So I was, I was literally still learning, um, what I wanted, even in the tricking community, people were pressuring me to do stuff constantly. And that's like probably the only reason why I started doing standing double back is because other people were saying that I could, of course. And even then I was definitely not ready. You know what I mean? Even now I'm not ready. I need, I need extra training. Dude, after now knowing that you've only been flipping for four years, Mm -hmm. I don't think you're ready to do it either. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like from a personal perspective, I think that this interview may be good for a lot of people because Mm -hmm. I assumed you've been flipping way longer. You know, a lot of the other guys that have done standing double back, they've probably been in the game for 10 years, except for maybe Lublub, who's like a teenager. Yeah. But even still, he's been in traditional competitive gymnastics with a coach Mm -hmm. for probably more than half his life. Mm -hmm. So looking at that, dude, 
screw the community, dog. Exactly. Go at your own pace, bro. <laughs> yeah, don't kill yourself over them, you know? Yeah, that's what I've been that's what I've been teaching myself most recently. It's just like who cares what anyone says? It's yeah. all about my own perception of what I should be doing. And uh I'm really glad that I didn't get pressured to do standing dub back like in my current state, especially yeah, recovering yeah. from a surgery. Literally, like if I if I actually got pressured to do that, I would be I, I guarantee you I'd be set da- set back like probably two years. Oh, yeah. You'd you'd make a huge mistake for nothing. It would be bad, yeah. yeah. And um the thing with standing dub back is it's a lot more than just height and a lot of people think like you have height you got it it's so much more than that it's tons of things people of things. people don't even realize how hard it is um actually and people un they seemingly underestimate how hard the trick is yeah in my comment section it's crazy people say you got this easy like you should just send it and i have to constantly remind people listen i'm only seven ma- months out of my surgery. yeah dude chill yeah, yeah and on top of that i'm I'm already doing stuff that I probably shouldn't do. And I'm I'm comfortable with those things, though. You know what I mean? Yeah. But standing dub back's just a beast. It's like, I need to do standing triple back on trampoline before yeah. I do standing dub back. I got you. you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, like, just get that. That's like how, how I gauge it, is I don't have the rotation. Like, I've tried it in the past, and my rotation just doesn't work. I've tried dub back. I haven't landed a single dub back on on floor, like, on flat, like, even out of round off. Okay, okay. And that's mostly because I can't run into my setups, which sounds so stupid, but that's just how it is. Like, I that goes back into uh, my background. Your stationary you know I mean? training, baby. Yes, yeah, stationary totally. training. Totally. Uh, I would do round offs in my living room, but I wouldn't have a run up. Yeah. So now when I run into my round off, it just ruins. Feels it feels weird. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny. Dude. It's really hilarious, but there's, there's weaknesses to my training and that's what I'm trying to get out of now. You know what I mean? Don't, don't feel bad. One of my best friends is a uh, Ben Jenkin. He was the first guy to do uh, a one step wall, double backflip outside. Oh my God. Um, but you know, what's funny is he is better at doing like a standing double backflip attempt mm-hmm. than his round off. Whenever he does round off double back, they're so low. And I used to always make fun of him. Like, dude, yeah. it's not even worth it. Like stop round off, uh-huh. you know? So like it, you're not alone. You're definitely not alone. Yeah. And so you kind of just mentioned it too. Um, one of the things that you've been dealing with is uh, a surgery that you just had mm-hmm. uh, seven months ago. And what exactly happened? Because I feel like I watched a bunch of training clips where you had a surgery date, but you were still training hard. Mm-hmm. So what was the injury and how were you able to keep training on it? Um, I tore my ACL and meniscus and um, it was a complete tear of my ACL and a lot of people Which still leg? don't think that is my right leg. Wow. Okay. Thankfully, um, if it was my left leg, it would be a different story for sure because um, I twist left. So I, yeah. my left leg's going to land and first. And your J steps left. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the reason why I was able to continue training, uh, I basically, I, I didn't have too much hope for myself that year. I was, it was actually probably one of the darkest years of my life where I was having to discover myself in a whole different way. Yeah. And even after that, once I got surgery, I discovered myself even more after that. But before I got surgery, I'll tell you, I was in a really dark like state of mind and I, I don't know 
how I got through it because many times I was just completely depressed, even though I was training still. It was just something that was in the back of my head. Like, I'm never going to get fixed. Like, course, this yeah. is going to be the end of my, like, passion, basically. And I just thought, like, you know, I wouldn't get the money to do it. And then I found out I had insurance. Um, and that's the only reason why I got surgery or else wow. I'd still be broken. And I'd still be training broken, you know. Damn, that's crazy. And do you mind me asking how you heard it? Yeah, so I did J-Step Cork Snapu. Okay. Um... And I had done it before, like, I've landed it um, probably, like, five times total. And I was like, oh, yeah, this will just be a cool clip to have just, you know, like, it wasn't a hard trick for me. Yeah. It was just a trick that I didn't like doing. And I I was doing, like, J-step cork D-leg twist and, like, just double cork variations. And I was going to do some standing double full variations, too. And... Um, I basically just had a bad set and I failed that first one of J step cork snapu. And I was like, okay, I guess I'll try it again. And I was just having a bad set that Damn. day for that trick specifically. And so I just like threw my body back and I ended up on this crazy weird axis and I landed on my right leg, like at it's this angle, angle, basically. Yeah, weird angle. And so all my weight was on my right leg and my knee joint just did that basically and I felt it it was the most painful thing in my life I'll tell you what yep yep <laughs> it was Damn. very horrible very bad pain instantaneously I knew something was wrong you know what I mean yeah, yeah. you I've, land and it's just like your whole body goes into shock and you're just like oh, oh like, yeah that's how it was for me I've had double knee and a shoulder surgery so I know oh when, man when you yeah. land and you're like Ah, uh, damn it! That that yeah. was that was different. Yeah, <laughs> yep, that's you know. exactly how it felt. Your body tells you like something is injured. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's and crazy. After I heard it the first time, it was about a month before I started training again, and I was just doing you know easy stuff. And then like a few weeks later, I was basically back to normal, and I did my first dub swing dub with a torn ACL. Wow, because it was your other leg. That was yeah. Good. Holy crap. At Neo <laughs> Neo 7. Neo 7, no yeah. way. And uh, I did nine of them, and I was fine. I was going to attempt standing dub, swing dub too, but then I was like, nah, I'm probably pushing it at that point. Don't get greedy. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I was like, I'm about to ruin too. this trip for myself if I try that. Yeah. Yeah, so, it's, I mean, even though I was training and having fun, I was really just not having fun at the same time, you know? Yeah, I think one of the craziest clips to me that I saw was uh, was not only you, like, flipping around with a knee brace on while your knee's obviously torn, but mm -hmm. uh, the clip of you in the hospital yeah. is one of the funniest things of all time, um, which is basically... Right before your surgery, your doctor yep. told you to go change into your gown, uh -huh. and you got one last clip off, right? Yeah. <laughs> there it is right here. <laughs> Did they hear you? Did no. they hear the landing? I was, I was curious. The angle wasn't the best, but I literally... You know what's funny about that clip? I think it took like two tries. I got one clip and I was like, ah, oh, that was bad. And then I did another one after that. <laughs> <laughs> My man's like, well, it's already torn. I'm about to get fixed. Let's just send it. <laughs> yeah, it was such a scary place to do it too. Yeah, it's it a small confined space. One of space. the smallest yeah. spaces I've done a backflip. Oh, dude. Yeah, I was, I was like, I need this clip. Dude. Like, <laughs> I just need it. It would be so legendary. I doubt anyone's done a backflip in here. I Not was like, I'm, I'm about to get surgery. I got to do it. It's, and 
Definitely the first I've ever seen. You, you see the stereotypical like graduation backflips yeah. and things like that. I've never seen a pre-surgery in the <laughs> gown backflip, dude. <laughs> yeah, literally. It, it's kind of funny because I was like, I didn't do a backflip today. And I haven't done a single flip today. And I was like, this is the last one. Yep, this, this is, is my last chance before the doctor comes in. I was like, he better not open the door while I'm doing the backflip. But I literally <laughs> <Imagine>. like, <laughs> yeah. Because the door's right there, you know? Kaboom! <laughs> and he just hits you in midair. <laughs> I was like, this is my last chance, dude. So I sent it. I got it on video, and I was like, this is going to Instagram for sure. Dude, genius, man. Genius. <laughs> yeah, it was so funny. I'm, like, out of the frame in most of the clip, but I was like, listen, that's the best I can do. There's no way I can set up a better angle. This is before the .5 existed on the cameras, right? <laughs> Yeah, because now you can do .5. Yeah. You would probably would have fit perfectly. Yeah, I don't even have an iPhone 11 now, but, man, it, I wish I did, dude. <laughs> like, at that time, that totally. would have been perfect. Heck, yeah. Ugh. And so right now, you're, like, seven months removed from from surgery how long was yeah. it until you like start throwing your first flips and feeling comfortable because dude you're you're i mean i've seen the clips of you at jam this week and the mm -hmm. stuff at tempest and like you're ripping dub dubs and yeah obviously it was your other leg that was injured but there's still an inherent sense of fear having to land you know yeah um i'd say double cork is um sometimes feels risky you mm -hmm. know mm -hmm. um i had a clip yesterday from tempest uh i posted it last night and I accidentally did a double cork, but I'll yes. tell you when I was in the air, I was like, I'm going to screw up my knee in this trick. Like I literally felt sketched about it, you know, yeah, and I yeah. landed fine. And I was like, oh, that's, that's relief. Thank goodness. But, yeah. yeah. Dude, I know how that literally, goes. Bro. Like I, I yeah. sent it and it was meant to be a cork, you know what I mean? Yeah. But I, I had enough height and it was a double cork and I didn't mean to do it. Like I literally like pulled and then I was like, oh crap. Like, this is too much, you know what I mean? So you just finished the crank. Yeah, yeah I just yeah. cranked it, and then it Damn. worked. But, um, yeah, so uh, my first tricks started three months after surgery. Wow, that's quick. But I wasn't doing anything double leg impact. Like, no, no two legs were hitting the ground, and no two okay. legs were taking off. Okay. So I was just doing J-step cork and uh, standing gainer switch. Nice. And stuff like that, just... Simple stuff, basically, that I didn't want to. I didn't want to get any riskier than that. And then, uh, say, like probably a few weeks later, I was doing like backflips, like off of two legs, okay. but I was landing on one leg. Yeah, putting all the weight on one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, and full stuff like that. And um, then for some reason, out of nowhere, like I was like, okay, it's fine to like try a standing dub and no stuff way. like that and then I did standing dub and I landed on one leg and I was like perfect and I kept doing them after that and it was always sketch but I was doing them anyway because I yeah. was like I got this I can do this <laughs> and it wasn't even like pressure from social media or anything at that point it was just me being stupid and going like oh yeah this I trick is it. still easy for me I can do it and so I did it but um yeah, and then after that, kind of just like, okay, I think the next step is double cork, which cork snapu was the bane, Corks, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I was like, this one might be different. Like, I was scared. I was definitely terrified, and it took, like, a few tries before I was comfortable. Um, I think I sent it, and then I had, like, a safety bail. Yeah, of um, course. And the I first was like, timer one. Yeah, and I, I still landed, like, hands and feet, and okay. I was like, 
oh yeah, I got this easy. And then I landed my next one, but it was like, I had to get past that mental barrier because I was scared of the impact basically. Yeah. I was scared of like, um, my legs coming down and just like hitting the ground really hard. Totally. Yeah. And yeah. that ended up not being a problem because I took most of the impact with my left leg first. Of course. Cause you're right used to leg. swinging. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've never swung double cork, but I just always land that way. So it's like convenient. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. yes, thank God I can do this. And then I started <laughs> doing more stuff. And, um, my first, um, dub dubs since Neo seven, uh, which was almost exactly a year ago, uh, were at Jam. Yes. And, and uh, so far, I've, I've attempted three and I've landed three. No way. So I have 100% consistency Damn. so far. And I hope to take that to Montana. Yes, right? <laughs> Go back home and still got it? Yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. And um, I landed my first standing full D-leg twist yes. since before surgery at Jam. I saw that clip. It was yeah. fire. And... Uh, I feel, I feel happy where I'm at right now, but I'm trying not to spoil it for myself by hurting myself. You Don't know? get greedy, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. It, it's been crazy to watch your recovery because a Bailey Payne is maybe like a couple months behind yours, yeah. like maybe like a month or two, but like I was there for his first double cork and uh -huh. I was the one that was like, don't do it. Don't do it. He's like, uh -huh. dude, I'm fine. I'm like, I don't want to film this. Like, I don't want to be here, uh -huh. you know? And he, he smashed it. No problems. Yeah. But like half of it is mental. Definitely, definitely mental. For sure. What Especially a, with him, like take off leg and landing leg. Yeah, Cause his was his bad, left. So bad knee. So that's sketch. That'd be a different story for me. Probably. Yeah. When he did the other day, he did a six swing through corks. Yeah. And I was like, dude, are you good? He, he He's like, I'm good. He did dub back and, and round off trip. Yeah. Oh, he's crazy. Which he, is insane. He's nuts, dude. He's absolutely insane. Yeah. <laughs> he's absolutely insane. He's a nut, dude. Yeah. yeah. He's a nutter, dude. But we're all a little crazy in this sport, you know? It's a little mm. controlled craziness, I feel like, for Completely. all of us. Completely, yeah. Um, and so this is a question that I just had, and maybe yeah. you don't have an answer for it, but uh, personally, a lot of people watched that video you put out of Jam. They saw the standing double full, like the dub three combo, mm. and then in that same clip, you had the standing double leg gyro or the double leg full. Mm. Um, what is What in your mind is your hardest variation? Um, for standing tricks. Yeah. Any, yeah. Hmm. So I've done an easy answer to this is I've only landed three standing dub variations. Okay. And, um, standing full snappu was the hardest one for me personally. Wow. Okay. Okay. Um, because my body just doesn't like snappu when I'm at that angle, I guess, like when I'm setting the way that I do on a standing full or a scoot full, for example. Yeah. But if I do cart full snappu, it's a completely different story. Super easy trick. But as soon as I'm like on that different axis for standing or like scoot, for example, you end up on the same plane of takeoff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it just ruins it for me. But standing full D-leg twist like clicked with my brain. It took like probably a ye like a year to get it okay where i was just spamming them and not landing them but getting really close yeah and yeah then, like i finally landed it and then after that i had them pretty consistent okay and then i like lost them due to the injury <laughs> and then course. i got them again and then i lost them due to surgery and now i have them again but um yeah that one just works and then the other one i've done is like People call it standing full school snapper, but in reality, yes. like 
it it's I just think of it as you do a standing full and then right where you would do with a D leg, mm-hmm. you just grab your legs for a tuck just and the then ball you up. and then you untuck and twist okay. the rest of the dub. And that one's like a little bit harder than standing full D leg twist for me personally, but it's only hard because you have to fit in the tuck and that's like way more difficult than having your legs straight for a D leg. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. So you twist you faster wanna, in a line, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's mostly just like getting your hands to grab your knees and then like because you have to get into that ball shape, and totally. then you have to unball up and then twist. Crazy. That's like harder, but not as hard as full snapu for me, which is funny. But yeah, <laughs> crazy. And yeah. are are there any dream tricks on your list? Not to add pressure. And here's the thing: yeah, if you don't want to answer this publicly, so people call you out on it, you can politely decline answering the question um but i was just curious is there anything on your own personal list that you're like you're really after obviously the community wants you to do standing double back but is there anything personally that you're trying to challenge yourself definitely um i don't plan on getting these tricks anytime soon because i'm just working within my comfort zone yeah yeah but the reason why everyone's seeing the same tricks like for the most part on most posts is because i'm preparing myself for bigger tricks once i'm ready like, I'm literally spamming them so that my body can one-shot the next level trick. You know what I mean? Got it. Building, I'm, building up, building up. So I'm trying, I'm going to, in the future, I'm going to go for triple cork and uh, cart trip and scoot trip. Uh, it's just funny, actually. Scoot trip full and scoot trip cork. Okay. Uh, okay. Cause that's just my most powerful setup for both of those tricks. Totally. It gets you um, into standing position with a little momentum. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so that's what I'm going to do. And then I also plan on, um, hopefully getting a full in from either scoot okay. or cart or, uh, something like that. Wow. I think scoot full in is probably going to be my first one. Wow. That'll be dope. That'll be dope. Scoot it's, it's is a rare just one. That's a rare like one. A good set up for me it's my worst setup (laughs) it's my worst setup (laughs) a lot of people will be like yo scoot's a crazy setup for like any trick and it's like it's just the setup i've trained the most compared to other setups you know what i mean other than standing so it's like it's gonna be my power setup and people always say well why not master scoot and it's like master scoot is literally completely different i don't like master scoot (laughs) i hate master it's so different from from scoot but i think master scoot trip cork will be um if i get scoot trip cork i feel like master scoot trip cork will be easy yeah probably and I do get more power at a master scoot, but it's like a million times harder to tame. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I would say, like, to get control over that that trick compared to um, just a simple scoot, because you have to do a cartwheel into master scoot. Well, yeah. I do. At Momentum least. builder, yeah. Um, because it it's the only way you're gonna get a good master scoot. But um, I personally feel like um, master scoot's just a million times harder. For sure, to totally. just like control that power because you get mega momentum, but to transfer that into a perfect block to get good height and to get good flip and get good twist all at the same time, that's like 
a whole different beast. You're probably going to fly out of control. I don't know how Tim Farley used it to do snatch cannon. Like, <laughs> it's so crazy. It's like, It makes perfect sense in my brain, but it just like the amount of work that went into that is like mind boggling. It's, it's the same, like you could compare it to, you know, how people were so impressed about standing backflip height. Yeah. Like just think about that same amount of training for master scoop. Totally. Like, just a setup, though. Yeah. Not even adding tricks to it. Just the setup in se- itself, and then adding tricks to it double that time. You know what I mean? Totally. Like it takes it takes time, people. <laughs> yeah, it takes time, y'all. It really does. <laughs> Hell yeah! <laughs> it didn't happen in a day. <laughs> yeah, a hundred, man. <laughs> and so now that we kind of know the tricks that are on your mind, this is a question I always ask people before we get out of here, which is, uh, mm. and it doesn't have to be trick related. It could be life related, or it could be trick related. Mm. Um, where do you see yourself five years from now, and then where do you see yourself ten years from now? Oh, that's tough. That is really tough. (laughs) That's a common answer as well. Yeah. That's probably like one of the hardest questions for me to answer because I, I, I just like to think of being present, you know, in the moment. I just try and think like, how can I make myself feel better right now? Totally. Um, I like to have goals, but I also like to keep it spontaneous. I'd say. I feel you. I think... I think it's unrealistic for me to set a goal for myself five years into the future or 10 years in the future. I think of it like I need to set goals for myself in the present and so that I can, you know, reach that futuristic version of myself. Um, I don't know when it, where it's going to be or where I'm going to be or anything like that. I hope to be here. I, I can I can say that I hope to be places. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, totally. That I hope sense. to be here, but this is just my current version of myself is the thing. And it could you change. I mean? It could evolve. Like, yeah. it could change tomorrow. Totally. And that's what I mean, like, about that is I feel like it's unrealistic to have that long time frame to, like, set a goal because, like, I don't know what I want, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I only yeah. know what I want in the moment. So I'd say I hope to be here. And if I'm not here, I hope to be traveling somewhere that makes me feel fulfilled in the moment. And I hope to I hope to continue inspiring people and I hope to not be a bad person. Hell yeah, dude. <laughs> I don't think I'm gonna be a bad person because I, I I feel like at this point I know how to not be a bad person. Yeah, but yeah. Things change, you know. I I hope to be a better version of myself and I hope to be um, constantly improving and I hope to continue chasing after um, my aspirations and not give up because I feel like a lot of people, you know, in that time, five to ten years from now, when they're my age, I feel like they've already given up on all that. I agree. So They start to find a safe plan. Yeah, I think think I'm going to stick with – not having a safe plan, like you said, and I'm going to continue grinding out everything that I want to accomplish in the moment. So Hell yeah, man. Well, that was a super solid answer. Honestly, I've been surprised by a lot of our interview. And for those that don't know, this yeah. is the first time we've ever met in person. So like, this is a really cool conversation to have for the first time with somebody, yeah. like learning so much about them and their past. And uh, dude, I really respect your viewpoint on a lot of things. And I appreciate you opening up about a lot of the mental health stuff and just where you're at in your own personal journey. I think it'll help a lot of our younger viewers and listeners more than you imagine. For sure. That's, that's the goal. I, I, want, I want my life to be a reference material to help other people Hell be yeah. better. I, I just want 
every one of you, I want everyone to, you know, reach their full potential in life. And I don't want you to give up on anything. I just want you to chase after anything that you could possibly see as unimaginable because as soon as you do it, you're going to, you're going to be surprised. So just keep doing it. Cause I, I trust me. I never thought I'd be sitting here right now. You know what I mean? I never thought I would be doing anything I'm doing today. So surprise yourself, prove yourself wrong. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. Yeah. I don't think there's any better way to end this on than that, dude. That was like a mic drop moment. So, <laughs> dude, with that being said, bro, can you just uh, look at that camera again and just let people know where they can stay up to date with following you and stay up to date with your journey? Yeah, so um, I mostly post on Instagram. I have TikTok, and I'm trying to get better at posting on there. I actually am posting pretty consistently on there. Um, my Instagram is AspenTree, and it has an underscore at the beginning. And uh, my TikTok is sapling boy with an I and not a Y. <laughs> we'll put it on the screen. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I want to start posting on YouTube, but I can't say that I'm going to be consistent. So I'm not even going to say that. But <laughs> <laughs> thank you anyway. <laughs> Hell yeah. Well, guys, yo, thank you as always. Please be sure to hit that like button, comment, subscribe for brand new episodes each and every week. Join us every Monday for Jam Breakdowns and every Friday for brand new Jamcast interviewing influential members of the movement community like Mr. Aspen Tree himself. So as always, guys, I got to give a very special shout out to Mr. Connor Simon for one of the cameras in the Switcher app. Got to give a very special shout out to our guest this week, Mr. Aspen Edlin, a.k.a. Aspen Tree. And as always, guys, coming at you, coming through, I'm your host, Travis Wong. Thanks for joining us here on another Jamcast. Until next time, we'll see you all soon. Peace.